Hey everybody, this is Jason, and before we get started, I just want to say a quick personal hello. I'm back in Asheville. This was recorded when I was in L.A., and it was really cool because the first time I went to L.A., I did Caesar's Open Mic. He was the guy who told me to go to the comedy store and do their potluck, Kill Tony. So I did. I went. I signed up. I got selected for potluck, which I thought was a fucking miracle because it was my first time ever going. And one of the things I came to find out during this interview with Caesar is that it's not uncommon to get up your first time because they'd never seen your name before. And then the next time, this girl wanted a pen, and I loaned her a pen, and I said, you know, it's funny, last time I was here, somebody loaned me a pen, and I got up, so maybe me loaning you this pen will get you up on stage. And sure enough, it was her first time signing up, and she did get up. And so, you know, and I watched her, and I was like, oh, man, I wish that would have been me. I, I, but it's that's kind of the life of a comedian. I mean, it's you... you it's really, really hard to watch other people get opportunities that you feel entitled to. And it's one of my least favorite qualities about comedians is that sort of bitterness that shows up when somebody else succeeds. And uh, one of the things I'm struggling with right now is how much I feel like that's happening for me in me to me, like how much I'm doing that. I hate it. So I'm trying to work on that. And this was an interesting experience because this whole time in L.A., I had an amazing trip because I recorded podcasts with all these incredible people, including Caesar and my professor, David Furman, and comedian Bobby Slayton. And those are all episodes that have already played. And Paul Hefty, a guitar teacher I had. So it was this really amazing trip in terms of the podcast. And I got to see some great comedy. I saw Joe Rogan, which I got to say was kind of life-changing for me in terms of how I want my performances to be like I've been really influenced by Louis CK all this time and and now after watching Joe Rogan I'm like you know there's something about the way he handles himself on stage and carries himself and the decisions he makes and when he yells and when he's calm and he's quiet and when he's laughing and when he's pissed and when he's like ah you know and he's got all this incredibly he's got a huge range of emotion and volume and behavior that he displays on stage and and honestly I think just seeing Joe Rogan in person for 15 minutes probably was the best thing for me comedically that happened in that entire trip. But anyway, my point is that I tried to get on to the potluck again, and I didn't. I tried to get on Kill Tony, and I didn't. And I tried to get on this other show at the Ice House in Pasadena, which is an open mic. And it was like three or four hours that I sat there. And I got there early, and the good thing is I got great parking, but that was about the best thing that happened to me that night. And I signed up, and I was, like, anxious to sign up, and where's the sign up, and, you know, uh, pretty much revealing myself as being a first-timer through and through. And they ripped up these tiny little pieces of paper to put your name on. The first 30 or 40 people to sign up signed up on these little pieces of paper. Then the more experienced people come later, and they put their names on these giant receipts, and they're super loose and fluffy. And so the top of the bucket is all these big, fluffy receipts and the bottom of the bucket is all these tiny pieces of paper, and it doesn't matter how cleverly you folded them, you're never getting picked out of the bottom of the bucket. You know, I mean, I guess you only make this mistake once, but basically the first time you go to the ice house, you got no shot at getting on stage. I will say, however, that they do this really cool thing there where they have something called the bunt list, or maybe it's the bump list. I, I don't know which one it is, but anyway... They have this list where if you don't get on, but you stay for the entire time, then you give them your name, and then you come back next week, and you're guaranteed a spot the next week. So you're pretty much guaranteed to get on at the Ice House every other week if you stay the whole time, which, by the way, is painful to do. 
And and the thing is, as the show goes on longer, then you're sort of, you know, the crowd is dwindling, people are leaving, it's getting louder in the bar outside the room than it is in the room, and there's a waning number of comics, and everyone's growing in bitterness and disappointment, and getting on at the end of the show is much worse than getting bumped to the next show. So it's a really cool podcast. It's a really cool conversation. It's very sort of inside scoop, what it takes to make it as a comic in L.A., and... Most of you know I lived in L.A. for a long time before moving to Asheville and never had any interest in anything entertainment or com comedy or none of this stuff. Everything I'm doing now would have been a lot easier to do when I still lived in L.A. But at the same time, I've had opportunities in Asheville that I don't think I would have gotten in L.A. because there's just so many people. That's longer than I meant to talk, but I just felt like I wanted to say all those things and get those stories out while they're relevant and enjoy the show. Hi there, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. Comedians are complicated, and I meet a lot of complicated comedians. My guest today is Cesar Lisardo. Cesar is a solid dude. He's been doing comedy for about the same amount of time I have. We share a lot of similar traits. He runs an open mic, and I run a comedy showcase and talk show. He's trying to carve out a place for himself in his hometown comedy scene, and so am I. We're both finding our struggles and our successes, but most importantly, we both love comedy. So, how do you like learning to fail? Have you learned to like failing, or do you fail to like learning? Whatever the case, thank you for listening. Please keep tuning in weekly and help us to reach more people by telling them. I love reading reviews on iTunes. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate our podcast and write a review of your own. It's free, but it's invaluable. Make sure you check out our website, ltfpod.com, and visit our Amazon page every time you buy anything online. By clicking on our link before you shop, you can support the podcast without spending a nickel of your own money. You can also drop a dime on our donation page. Every little bit helps. As always, the most important thing you can do is simply to listen to the podcast and inspire others to do the same. We encourage everyone to try learning to fail, with or without adult supervision. And now it's time for my conversation with Cesar Lizardo. I barely had a chance to say hello, and he was off and running. If you ever wanted to know what goes on behind the scenes of an entertainment epicenter like the Comedy Store in Hollywood, Caesar is a really good guy to ask. He's been through some horror stories, and when I said I wanted to know more, he told me everything. I wanted a deeper understanding into the comedian's life in L.A., and he gave me some amazing insights. Not all of them pretty, not all of them proud. Whether you're a comedian, a fan of comedy, or just someone who likes a little gossip, you are going to love learning to fail with Cesar Lizardo. I just remember when I came here about a year ago, I did your open mic at the Arsenal. Yeah. And it was all comics except for the two friends that I brought. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And, but, I, but then I realized you kind of, you run it almost like a workshop. 
as it as it turns out, or at least you did that time. I don't know. Yeah, if it's always it like still kind of is. Um, you know, it's cool because of the fact that we kind of uh, seclude ourselves to a room. You don't have a lot of comics going in and out. Right. Uh, and you know, we have a server coming in to like actually get you like waters if that's all you have, or you know, beer or food or whatever. We have good happy hours, so people like tend to stay and hang out, and it's a good environment. And um, you know. As you remember, we don't even have like a mic that's plugged into anything. I know, I remember. Uh, yeah, that was that was actually kind of funny. Um, and we used to do it, but in the other room we would have a mic because I have a mic and an amp and everything. Uh, but because we moved to the patio area, um, we weren't allowed to have amplified sound outside. We didn't have the right. right permit for it, and you know, of course, our managers, you know, worried that someone's gonna walk by at five thirty on a Sunday afternoon and hear somebody saying dick jokes and be like, oh, do they have a permit for that? Which, you know, nobody's going to do that, but it's his prerogative. He's trying to, you know, be safe and stuff. Um, and so luckily that room has super good acoustics where you could stand on one side of the room and talk to somebody else on the other side of the room as if we're just talking face to face right here. Right. Um, so it's really good acoustics. So we just have that, just a microphone that's not plugged into anything. And uh, comics embrace it, you know, you'll see them put it up to their chin and, you know, they'll like put their mouths all over it as if it's a real microphone and they'll use it as a prop. The only time it doesn't work is, uh, you know, if they're trying to do like, you know, sound effects or something or right. like speak into the microphone right, right, shit right. like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, because of the fact that, uh, I give, I tend to give comics, you know, uh, at least 10 minutes, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing. You know, I'll light them at seven minutes so that they know, all right, this is about how much time you've done so far, because that's usually how much time clubs will give you. Right. They'll give you six to eight minutes, right? Uh, and then I'll light them again at 10, and then I'll say, all right, if you want to keep going after that, you want to finish your bid, or you got some more bits, fucking do it, you know? As, as long as you're funny and you're not pissing everybody off in the audience, you know, part of comedy is to read your audience and know whether or not they want you to keep going or, you know, if you should just stop and, you know, call it a bomb and go bomb somewhere else, you know? <laughs> Um, but you know, it has really turned into, you know, kind of a workshop environment. Um, you know, partly because, you know, a lot of the people that come in are people that I'm friends with, or, you know, even if I don't know who they are, uh, I am definitely, uh, just comfortable yelling out at them sometimes. I'm yeah. like, Hey, why don't you say this? Or, you know, I'll try to tag their joke for them sometimes. And then they'll end up using that later on. They're like, Oh, thank you. You know? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also do the roast battle. I do a lot of my roast battle jokes. So I'm always asking, like, oh, what'd you think? What'd you guys think of this joke? You right. know, like, so it does lend itself to a very workshoppy type of environment. Um, you know, people have it's a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, comedy that comes out of there is very conversational. Sometimes, you know, I have I have some of my friends come in and they just start talking to the room. And because it's such a you know great environment for that. You know, they have some of the best sets, you know, that they've ever had. You know, they have, you know, they do 18 minutes. They're like, where am I at? I'm like, you're at 18 minutes. They're like, whoa, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, like, I thought it was like eight minutes, you know? I'm right. like, well, yeah, you know, that's what happens. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's very workshoppy and it's a good environment. Uh, and uh, we've been able to, I don't know, it's like a, it's a really good kept secret. You know, it's uh, nobody really <laughs> even shows up most of the time. Like most of the time we have anywhere from like eight to 15 people show up. Right. Which by open mic standards is a very low number. You know, most mics that you'll go to is, you know, 20, 30, you know, 40 comics, you know, 
looking for three, four-minute spots, you know, and their name's in a bucket. And I'm like, dude, your name's in a bucket. You might wait for four hours and like to get three minutes, you know? Yeah. I got nine people signed up. Everybody does 10 minutes, you know, that's a 90-minute show. You're out in an hour and a half, you right. know, two hours. Um, but, yeah, that was a very long-winded answer to whatever your prompt was. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is all about you talking, not me. Yeah. My audience, is, they, they've heard my stories already. All right. But I am interested in, like, I didn't realize – I'm unclear on your place in the sort of comedy pantheon of L.A., uh, well, I've been doing comedy for about two and a half years now, okay. uh, which, as you know, in comedy terms, is basically a two and a half year old. Right. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know it's basically like I'm learning how to walk right now. Uh, that being said, I feel like uh, being born and raised right here in L.A., I went to high school a mile away from here. Uh, it it kind of helped me be able to immerse myself much more quickly in what the greats were doing, you know. Um, very early on, I was able to just find, you know, some kind of a, you know, circle of friends at the comedy store. And, uh, I mean, I still remember the first day that I went there and they're like, are you a comic? I was like, I looked around like, it's not, I'm, no, not, not, I mean, yeah, I want to be one, you know, right. like I've done, I've, you know, done like four open mics, but I guess like. Compared to the rest of the people who are just here to sh see a show, yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm a com I'm trying to be a comic, and they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, just come this way, sit in the back, right? I'm like, holy shit, you know? And then like, I see all the comics, you know, whether they've been there for a month or you know, 25 years, you know, all hanging out together. It's like a huge fret like fraternity, you know, at the comedy store, and um, you know, being in Los Angeles. Uh, you're swimming in a pool full of sharks, man. It's like everybody. You what? You're from North Carolina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not just comics from LA. It's comics from North Carolina and Pennsylvania <laughs> and you know, Oklahoma and you know all these random places where they don't really have comedy that much, but you know they've done it five or ten years out there, and then they've decided they're gonna come over here. You know, once they've already got like maybe like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, or, you know, they're the big fish in their little pond and now they want to come over here and swim with the sharks. So all of a sudden I come in, you know, I'm brand new to the game. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm a kind of funny guy. You know, I do impressions and, you know, like I can do accents and like, yeah, I'm goofy and shit. And, and, and like I'm looking around, I don't even have any material, but I'm literally hanging out with some of the funniest people that nobody's ever heard of, you know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> and you know, that really has kind of raised me as a comic, I think quicker than most people would be able to do it because of the fact that, you know, I am around people who are way better than me and it really elevates my skill level because I have that competition around me, you know? So, I mean, I feel pretty good two and a half years in, uh, as you said, in this comedy pantheon. Um, you know, I've gotten booked on shows. I've done the Comedy Store, I've done Laugh Factory, uh, done Roast Battle. Uh, I've found success with that. I'm on a six-win streak. You know, so I started out 0 and 2. Now I'm 6 and 2, which is you know pretty pretty fucking cool. That's uh, at the Comedy Store that you're competing on the Roast Battle and yeah. you're winning. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. winning individually. You're on a team that wins. I don't have any idea how Roast. Oh, battle so the Roast Battle is basically two comics go up and they just insult each other. Okay. And it's it's fucking hilarious. Uh, it's been on Comedy Central now for two seasons. It started three years ago in the belly room at the Comedy Store, and uh, Tuesday nights was just open mic night, and it was a couple of comics uh, who wanted to fight each other, 
the infamous Kenny Lyon and Josh Martin. Josh Martin has gone on to be, you know, like the underling of like Tony Hinchcliffe and people like that. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's been doing comedy for, I don't know, like five or ten years or whatever at the comedy store. He's a door guy and he works there. And, uh, and Kenny Lyon, uh, you either hate him or you love him. I fucking love the guy. Super nice guy. Uh, he's just a fucking stoner. Fuck up. Uh, gets naked on stage all the time. And he's been banned from the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, the improv. Like, you know, countless open mics. Uh, he's the kind of guy that's like, yeah, fuck all you white nerds, all you fucking faggot pussies. Fuck all you guys. And then, and then like, wonders why people hate him. But he's so nice off stage that everybody's like, hey, Kenny, you know, I right. fucking love him. Anyways, these guys... Um, wanted to fight each other like really fight each other they want to really fight each other yeah and um brian moses was like hey why don't you guys just come back to the tuesday open mic and roast each other and settle your differences that way and that was the first roast battle and then it very quickly caught on and you know it was basically just a bunch of open micers getting together and shitting on each other verbally and uh it got the attention of the roast master general jeff ross who's you know done all the comedy central roasts of, of course yeah david Hasselhoff, pamela anderson so on and so forth and uh you know it you know it's caught it's caught the attention of a lot of celebrities you know uh after about two years of doing it comedy central caught on and they put it on comedy central for two seasons uh, we're still looking out for season three we'll see what happens uh so yeah. have you been on tv are you on no comedy central? No, okay. no 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 um when that was happening i was still probably like somewhere between oh and two or two and two like just I'm still very much on a piece of shit level to a lot of comics out here. Uh, again, only being out here for two and a half years, um, this scene is very clicky. And all the people, a lot of the people before me, they like to preserve their own click or only bring in people who they think are fucking hilarious. And right. I'm not, you know, hilarious all the time. Um, it's i feel like it's one of those things like to make it in comedy you have to be hilarious every time you go up you know like right. not just like once in a while uh you have to be consistently funny every fucking time and then people like start to respect you and for me you know i'm still again two and a half years in trying out a lot of new shit bombing you know on certain jokes you know not always putting my best foot forward because i know what my best bits are so i don't need to work on them you know i'm working on new shit and, you know, people see that and they're like, oh, this guy fucking sucks. And I'm like, no, I don't fucking suck. I'm just trying new shit. Right. And, you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of comedy clicks and, you know, you don't always get brought in very easily. There's a lot of guys who have been doing it for five or eight years and they've all been doing it together and they all take care of themselves. And, you know, that's how it was before that and that's how it'll be after that. Um, and so, you know, I'm still working my way up. I've got my own clicks now. I'm very accepting of everybody. I always try to be nice to people. I'll watch somebody bomb and still talk to them afterwards, which is not <laughs> not how a lot of people have treated me in the past. You know, like I've had a bad set and then make eye contact with somebody and they just keep walking afterwards. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, there's a bunch of fake motherfuckers like that out here. It's it's so funny. But maybe I'll be on season three or season four. I got to keep my win streak going. I've currently risen up in the rankings. There's like a top 50 rankings and like the top 20 of Roast Battle is basically like all the original, like the OG Titans, the fucking like badasses. There's a few people who have like infiltrated the top 20 over the last year, but it hasn't been easy because there's so many killers, so many killers. And those guys have all been on TV. 
with their successes, they've been booked on a lot of different stuff around the country or gotten writing gigs or, you know, been on other TV stuff. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like a, a nice way to kind of fast track it to the top is get on this roast battle thing. I don't know if it'll work for me, but, you know, it's getting me a little bit of attention. So I'm cool with that. And uh, if it doesn't work out, again, I'm only two and a half years in. And, you know, like I know that it doesn't happen overnight. People do this shit for fucking 20 years and they don't get shit. I'm not really expecting much at this point. Uh, just trying to work towards it, you know? Yeah. So is stand-up what you want to do for your life? Like, is that this how you want to make your money? Do you want to be doing comedy? Do you want to be writing? you want to be on a TV show, movie? Like, what's uh, your... If you could choose your trajectory, what would it be? Um, well, the reason I got into stand-up was because I felt like I was a very versatile, um, I guess, comedic actor, you know? Um, first of all, I'm Dominican, you know? Mm -hmm. I look like the joke is I look black. I sound like a white guy. I am Hispanic. You know, they treat me like I'm Arabic at the airport, like I'm fucking ISIS or something. You know, I could go for a lot of looks. You know, people think I'm Indian or Egyptian, uh, half black, half white. They think I'm Drake. You know, I get everything. Yeah. So I could play a lot of different roles and I do a lot of different accents. I do like, you know, English or, or like British, you know, New York, French, Spanish, Mexican, you know, African, Jamaican. Uh, you know Chinese you know I could do all these like stupid accents and stuff so I'm like all right cool I can I can do accents I could play a lot of different parts uh, you know I'm goofy I don't give a shit what people think about me really you know I'm willing to put myself out there uh, so yeah I'd like to you know do some kind of do something where I can put myself in that scene you know be it like sketch work or just you know commercials if i only did stand up in commercials for the rest of my life and i made a living that way that'd be fucking awesome you know like i don't know if i want to be like tom cruise famous you know like i i'd still like to go out and do shit you know right but then again you know i'd like to have tom cruise money that'd be nice <laughs> uh, so you know it's are just... you willing to have tom cruise scientology fuck no dude yeah. it's funny too because like I don't know why, but acting and Scientology are, like, intertwined somehow. Like, uh, I just signed up for uh, Actors Access and um, L.A. Casting, basically to just try to, like, submit myself for auditions, you know? I'm, right. like, trying to see, all right, now I've been doing this for a couple of years. Let me see how I can monetize this, you know? Like, put my skills to the test a little bit. And uh, it's just... It, I keep seeing all these uh, Scientology uh, like ads and stuff like that. Even when I signed up for Central Casting a year or two ago, which is just like doing extra work, there's like a line of 300 people at seven in the morning, and there's like two you know cute little blonde chicks handing out little flyers. They're like, oh yeah, acting classes at the Scientology building. I was like, what the fuck? Right. And I remembered about that yesterday and today. And I'm looking on LA Casting and Actors Access. There's all these like, sci they're like free acting class. And I look at it and it's like in the Scientology building. I was like, oh no, I'm not going back to that place. Fuck yeah. that. Cause I went, I went to the Scientology building and uh, it was, it was weird. You know, I mean like what they're kind of uh, teaching isn't wrong. Cause it's basically just like trying to get your life on track trying to you know reduce stress and you know have meaningful relationships with people and you know work to your hardest abilities and you know have a good structure to your life you know all life skills and teachings that everybody should know right but you know that's only on the first level and i just know that like you know 
the more levels you get up, they're they're gonna like try to introduce more weird shit. You know, like you should oh. listen to Joe Rogan's podcast with the actress whose name I can't remember. Um, she was on something about Raymond, played his wife, and Deborah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, Deborah's a character's name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was a Scientologist her whole life, mm. and she goes into very deep detail about all the shit she went through. There's, uh, there, as, as I recall, there was nothing she didn't say. Really? Yeah. It's a really fascinating podcast. Yeah. Wow. And has, so was it talking about like alien spaceships and stuff like that? And... Um, I don't know if she talked about. I don't remember if she talked about that. She just talked about you know. It was more about the structure and how they treated her and when she kind of wanted to get out and then when she would get in trouble or she did something wrong or how she had to, you know, go apologize and like go spend like three months in Florida being reprogrammed. I mean, it was crazy shit. Oh, dude. wow. No, you got to listen to it, man. It's really. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wish I could think of her name. I'll try to put it in the I'll just look up Joe Rogan Scientology yeah right yeah. Up, yeah, yeah. anybody else can google that too yeah. um yeah it's a great podcast and uh it's really intense I mean that's the most in-depth sort of reveal I've ever heard of the inner workings of Scientology yeah I mean I'm sure it's it's nuts and you know the building is so big you yeah. know it's it's a gigantic building and I asked the chick to like give me a little tour and she's like all right well here's the um the lobby where you walk through and um here's the room where i interviewed you and um this is the outside parking lot and the outside of the building i was like yeah but like what's upstairs you know yeah. i was like where what's what's in that door yeah she's you, like uh you're not you're, you're millions not. of dollars away from that yeah information. you're <laughs> she's like what's your donation today i'm like nothing she's like exactly i'm like fuck and then she kept trying to sell me this video like this dvd Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, broke comic, I have no money, <laughs> you know, so right. I was like, no, I don't have money for your DVD, I'm sorry. She's like, well, how much money do you have? I was like, literally, I have $40 to my name for the next, like, five days. <laughs> right. And she's like, well, this DVD is only 29 I was like, dude, no, like, yeah. fuck off, I'm not buying your $30 DVD. She's like, well, if you buy just the one CD, it's $15. I'm like, no. Yeah. And she's like, you know, pretty cute. So I was like, oh, it's so hard to say no to her. So I was still, like, kind of flirting a little bit. I was like, no, that's okay. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. But uh, wh what are you doing later? And she's like, you don't have money. I'm like, ah, you're right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, fuck that then. Fuck your stupid DVD. And then like she kept calling me for like weeks and weeks and weeks. She's like, so when are you gonna come to that next, you know, seminar thing? Yeah, they're relentless. And I was like, you just want me to buy your stupid DVDs because I like. Cause I did sales. I know a sales pitch when I see one. And she was trying to. So like, she's doing all like the the. It's called the circle close. Have you ever done sales? No. Go ahead. Tell me what about circle close is just like. So there's something somebody gives you as an objection, right? right? So like, I'm like, all right. So this is this much money, and then you're like, well. I can't spend that much money because that's your objection because I have to talk to my wife or because I don't get paid till Friday or because I got to think about it overnight. Uh, let me sleep on it. That's an objection, right? right? And then the circle closes basically like, well, do you like the product? I'm like, yeah. What do you like about the product? I like this. You're like, all right, cool. Do you think you can use this in your life? I'm like, yeah. Okay. So that's why you should do it today. Blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, no, I don't feel like it. And then you give another objection. And then like, well, you said you liked it, right? And then it just goes in circles. It's circle close. Yeah. And she kept doing the circle close on me. And I was like, look, I see what you're doing. I did sales for a while. Like, I'm not an idiot. Even if I didn't, like, I know what you're doing. But no, thank you. 
And I was like, dude, this is fucking insane. It's just, it's, it was a little creepy. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I like the I, circle close gets a harder and harder sell as you go up, and more and more expensive. You know. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're good at negotiating, the circle close can actually work in the buyer's um, in a buyer, in the buyer's favor, because what ends up happening is the the more you object and the longer you stay the more they'll offer you to try to make the sale yeah but in the world of scientology they're gonna win they're like the house <laughs> in vegas yeah you're like all right how about we just upgrade you to level two for this minute? yeah they're gonna trust me man they're, they're, they're they are master brainwashers oh my god and that's just you know you're either gonna stop or keep going till you lose everything but those are the two options like <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, there are people who, you know, owe their careers to Scientology. I mean, they talk about a clique that looks after their own. I think the Scientologists, you know, fit that pretty strong. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll have that Scientology money, so we'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> yeah, please don't go wasted on Scientology once you can yeah, afford it. No. <laughs> so, all right, so have you been passed at the comedy store? I mean, are you a... Oh, hell no. Okay. Hell no. Passed at the comedy store? Are you kidding me? Like, that's, I think, like, the quickest anyone's ever been passed is, like, well, there have been people to, to have gotten passed, like, super fast, but that's when Mitzi Shore was still around, who, um, you know who Mitzi yeah, is? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. see, so, uh, like, For when, people who don't know, Mitzi Shore is the co-founder of the comedy store, and after she split up with her husband, she took it over, and she's the one who made all these people big. Yeah, like she's, Polly Shore's mom. Yeah, she's been doing this since like the early '70s. Now uh, I'm dying up here. Right, um, right. I Showtime. read the book. That's how I know about her. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm dying up here now on Showtime. Go check it out. There's a lot of comedy store regulars, paid regulars, guys who just roam the hallways. Uh, you know, young up and coming comics uh, who are on that. Uh, you know, shout out to guys like uh, Earl Skakel, Jeron Horton. Uh, you know, and then you know other paid regulars like Andrew Santino, Eric Griffin. And then, you know, all the other com all the other uh, actors who uh, took places of comics who could have also done a good job, but whatever. Uh, so I'm last night when I was time. at the um, potluck, somebody who put his name in the hat, uh, Ari Shafir said, our newest paid, at the end of it says, like, our newest paid regular. So was that him getting passed right there in, fr in front of uh, everybody? Well, who was it? Do you remember what he looked no, like? No, I don't remember. Mm. Yeah. Was it Jeremiah Watkins? No. Jeremiah Watkins is on I'm, I'm Dying Up Here. Uh, I think, like, the, the newest paid regulars that I can remember were um, Jeremiah Watkins and maybe Becky Robinson or somebody like that. I can't remember. Um, oh, no, it was Jessica Michelle Singleton, not Becky Robinson. So uh, what does it mean to become, like, if, if Ari Shafir says... Uh, calls you out as our newest paid regular he might have been joking i mean was the guy no, he good? said he wasn't joking was the guy good he did all right you well, know do you remember what he looked like i mean he was white he had i think he might have had a short beard but he might not have um he did some jokes about his dad uh i mean and then when after it's done people looked around like was that real and ari ari's like yeah that's a real thing that just happened <laughs> Well, I don't know. Uh, so you I know, know dreams he, do come true. Does uh, he have the? Does Ari have the power to? I don't think it works that way. But um, I know for pretty much the way it generally works is you have to kind of roam the hallways for like a couple of years, um, 
or just come in and be a fucking phenom right out the gates. So, you know, like, for example, um, like somebody who I could see getting past maybe a little bit quicker than some people is a guy like, uh, let's say, Preacher Lawson. Have you heard of him? I have heard of him, yeah. All right, so he did stand-up out in Orlando for eight years, uh, got really good out there, and he came out here, and all of a sudden he's just, like, fucking just blowing motherfuckers out the water. Really? And he, he's, like, almost like uh, Eddie Murphy a little bit, kind of. Uh, but he's, like, buff and uh, he's super fucking hilarious. He just got on uh, America's Got Talent. You know, had like two million views on his set, like overnight, pretty wow. much. Um, so, like, that's kind of like the fast track, the fa the quote fast track to do it. You know, do eight years somewhere else and then come to LA and just kick everybody's ass. You right. know, um, but typically, what happens is you either gotta somehow get the coveted position of becoming a door guy, uh, which is not easy. Uh, I signed up to audition to be a door guy. And I couldn't even, they, they called me back. They call, they emailed me to come out and audition. And when I came out, they didn't even give me a shot. And I was like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Um, and then a lot of times um, they'll just pick guys up from like the comedy store in San Diego. And those guys get chances. Um, pretty much you have to get lucky. So like you went to potluck yesterday, right? right. Which how many people showed up? I'm willing to guess about 100, 100, yeah. 100 120 people yeah, show right, up yeah. for what? 15 spots, right? Something like that. Those 15 spots, um, usually the first person that they pick will be somebody with the most ridiculous name ever. Cause they're like, all right, that person's gonna, you know, be a fucking nut job and start the show off and we can make fun of them as the show goes along. Uh, next couple people might be like random names that they've never heard of. You know, like, oh, I've never seen this guy before, or, yeah, let's give this guy a chance, or, you know, like, I just put pointed my finger at the list, and we picked this guy. And then, uh, for the most part, the next, you know, five to ten people are people that they know and they want to give a shot, you know? So, it's not random. Oh. They see your name on the list, and they go, fuck you, or okay, you know? Hmm. And for me, they've gone, fuck you, every time. And the You've only never time gotten on Potluck? I've gotten on Potluck three times, and each of those three times, I went up first... Um, and I went up first under a silly name. First time I went up as Taco Chulo, they put me first. Right. <laughs> Second time I went up as Oso Chocolate, which means chocolate bear in Spanish. Right. And chocolate bear is uh, an homage to Scrubs, uh, where Donald Faison was uh, Zach Braff's chocolate bear. Okay. Uh, and the third time I went up as a combination of my middle name and my mother's maiden name. Uh, so I'm Cesar Augusto Lizardo Garcia. Mm -hmm. Caesar Augustus, right? Uh, so I put Gus Gus Garcia, which is just a silly name. And again, they put me first because who the fuck's name is Gus Gus? Right. And so like each time I showed up and they're like, Gus Gus Garcia. And I'm like, hey. And I'm like, you're fucking Caesar. What the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> um, but that's the only way I could get on because, you know, for whatever reason, when I came onto the scene, you know, I have a personality and I don't like to be treated like a bitch. So I talked back to some of the people who talk shitty to me and I made, you know, some enemies, you know, and it's just, you know, other comics trying to, you know, be better than other people like, oh, I've been here four years. So you're a piece of shit, you know, like just guys treating you like you're a piece of shit because, you know, you've been doing it for not that long or they don't know who you are or, you know, they think they're so much better than you. And, you know, when I kind of pushed back a little bit, I made enemies. But anyways, that's the only way I've gone on to Potluck. Um, 
and not that I go every week, but you know, I used to go every week and I would never get up. Uh, so I figured a way to get up by putting a fake name. And even when you go up first, man, it's like, God damn, it's so hard to do well. Going like, first is terrible. It's terrible because you're in a room uh, where there's 30 comics sitting in the back. Okay, right. They're not sitting close to you. They're sitting in the back. And you know it's hard to make comics laugh, first of all. Uh, second, if they're like all the way in the back, not listening to you or looking at their cell phones or they've heard your set like four times because you're trying to you do your best shit, you know, because you're at the comedy store potluck. Um, and then, you know, you know, half of them are pissed off that you even got up there because you used a fake name. They're like, fuck this guy. Mm. And then, you know, the only real audience you have is like two to six people in the front who got there early. So it's tough. Um, but anyways, we're talking about getting passed at the store. Uh, which, no, this whole thing is really, this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I've, all this information is really cool. Cause yeah. This is what I want to know, and this is what I want people to know, you know? Yeah. Like, I, this, a lot of people who listen to this are other comics. Yeah. You know, um, or fans of comedy. So, like, they're interested in, in the sort of inner workings of all this stuff. So, the more of this kind of inside juice you can <laughs> give me, the better. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, getting past at the store. One of the ways that you do it is by going on potluck, you know? And eventually, as you become more well-known, as, you know, the people who make decisions become your friends and stuff like that, which, you know, I've I've only just cracked the surface of that, you know? Like, I'm on friendly terms with the people who make decisions, but not like they have my back or anything. To me, to them, I'm still just a piece of shit, you know what I mean? They're just like, ah, you're, you know, you've been doing this for two years. Get the fuck out of my face. You're right. not, you're not funny, you know? Once you kind of become more well-known and you start to do really well, more consistently, um, they start to put you on the potluck towards the end of the list. Now that's where you really want to be at, you know, the room is yeah, full. between yeah. spots like 12 to 15 or 16. That's typically when, uh, I think his name is Adam, the booker, uh, will come in and he'll sit in the back. So anybody who's gone up before that, he probably didn't fucking see you. And even if he was there, he wasn't paying attention. He's really in the back. Uh, he might actually sit there and be like, I want to, I want to hear these couple of people and he'll put them up and you'll see a lot of the same names go up pretty often. You know, like you'll see some people get up, uh, you know, like maybe twice in a month. You're like, God damn it. How the fucking, you know, there's a hundred people here. There's no way that his name got picked twice. No, his name didn't get randomly picked twice. It got purposefully picked twice. You Did know? they randomly pick anybody? I think like maybe two to four names are random, you know, like where they're like, they might like throw a dart at the wall and see which one hits. Or I don't know, maybe they're just like, oh, I like this guy's handwriting, or I have no idea what the process is. Um, but one of the door guys told me, he's like, yeah, the first name is always goofy, second couple might be random, and the rest of them are pretty much handpicked. Hmm. Um, and you know, that's kind of one way to do it. You do potluck enough times, um, uh, you get seen in front of the booker, and the booker decides whether he's gonna put you on different shows. Um, and then, you know, you kind of have to work the circuit for a little while. You have to be put on, you get, once you get past that, um, there's something called friends and family. Right. And the friends and family list is like fucking 40, 50, a hundred comics or something. So you got, you know, door guys, you got, uh, you know, people who are traveling, uh, who, you know, are national features or headliners or whatever. The guys are on the road a lot, you know, friends of the booker or, you know, friends of the, you know, just friends and family, uh, and it's a lot of employees, you know, so a lot of the bartenders, wait staff, door guys, they're all comics, you know, so they all get, I think, like one guaranteed set 
per week. Uh, and their name gets put on the friends and family and they get three minutes, you know, three minutes, everybody gets three minutes. So you look at the list, it's the 15, it's the 15 people on potluck. Then you got like 30 friends and family and that goes for another couple hours. And then they have, you know, it, it bleeds into the, the night show, which, you know, then you got guys like, you know, Chris D'Elia or, you know, Tom Papa or whoever the fuck, you know, just like right. guys that come in. And, um, that's kind of one of the ways that you get past, you know. Uh, you know, having TV credits really helps. Um, doing really well at roast battle really helps. Uh, being a door guy really helps. Um, because the door guys, they get more stage time than fucking everybody else. You know what I mean? It's not saying that the door guys are funnier than anybody else. A lot of them really are. And a lot of them are like, eh, you know, yeah, they're funny, but they're not like so much funnier than everybody who's not a door guy, you know? Right. Um, they just got luckier, you know, they knew somebody or, uh, you know, maybe they came from San Diego and this, I don't know, San Diego seems to have a, a really big in, uh, for, for guys come to LA, not knocking on the San Diego guys, you know, those guys are all cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just tough, you know, for people like myself, you know, I have a lot of friends who are fucking hilarious and you know, responsible would be great door guys or I'd love to be a bartender there. You know, I fucking bartend on the side. Uh, that's pretty much my main source of income right now is bartending. And, um, the, even when I asked them that they're like, yeah, they typically, you got to like start in the kitchen, like, mm. you know, bussing tables or some shit like that. Um, so and everybody then work who, your way up all the servers, everybody last night, they all want to be comics. Anybody for, the, for the most part, you know, not all of them. Like, there's some of them that, you know, just do that to, you know, have a job. And, but, you know, they're pretty much all fans of comedy, you know. Right. For the most part. So that's, uh, you know, that's the long answer for how I think you're, you probably go about getting past. But it's really just about being seen a lot and doing well a lot. And, you know, when uh, opportunity meets chance, you know. That's when it happens. Um, but, I mean, there's not really anybody who gets past before doing comedy consistently in L.A. for, like, more than – less than five or eight years, you know? Like, most of the guys that you see get past have been doing it for five or eight years beforehand. I think I heard of, um, like, uh, Rick Rick Ingram. You know who Rick Ingram is? I he, know his name, yeah. He he does spots at the comedy store pretty much exclusively, I think. I don't know. I, I don't really know his career. But um, first time I saw him when I first started doing comedy, I was like, wow, that was fucking hilarious. He he did 15 minutes just ripping on the audience. And he didn't even do a single bit of material. And that's kind of his stick. He just right. goes around and does just, you know, picks on the audience, and it's hilarious. And I talked to him outside one time. And I was like, what's your name, Rick? Rick Ingram? Oh, okay, cool. And then I'm talking, talking, talking. And then I look up at the wall and I was like, oh, shit, there's your name. Right. And I was like, that's you, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I was like, when'd you get that put up? And he's like, yeah, like 10, 12 years ago. I was like, fuck, how old are you? He's like, oh, like 21. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how long have you been doing it for? He's like, yeah, like two years or something like that. I was like, fuck, you got your name put on the wall in two years? He's like, yeah, well, Mitzi really liked me and, you know, I did really well. Yeah, so there are phenoms, you know, there are people who uh, do that. Um, you know, I'm going to be 30 this year. I didn't start till I was 27. Um, which, you know, a lot of that was fear-based, you know, I knew I always kind of wanted to do comedy, uh, in some vein, but, you know, I just 
was scared of putting myself out there, you know. I was a little chubby growing up, so, you know, I was like, oh, I'll never be the male lead, you know. Like, it was, you know, I was scared, you know. I, I did the choir, but I could never do solos. Uh, you know, I, I did, like, plays and stuff, but I was always just, like, in the ensemble. Like, I never want to actually put myself out there, but I still want to be a part of it. And, um, you know, after a while, I was like, dude, fuck this, man. I just... I just need to do this. I need to put myself out there. I got all these ideas, you know, I got all these like stupid ass jokes in my head all the time. And I'm like, somebody should say that. <laughs> and nobody was saying it. So I was like, fuck, I got to say this myself, you know, uh, somebody's going to fucking laugh at this shit. And so uh, that's kind of how that happened. Uh, well, make sure you send me a clip so we can include a clip of you performing. Oh, okay, cool. On our, you know, because we write a blog about every interview and, you know, there's like every check out our website at some point. You'll, you'll see the way we lay it out. Um, but that way in the blog, we can have any links and we'll link to the, if there's a, a link for your open mic, we'll link to that too. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's whatever, just, just the, send me any stuff like that. You can give me. Yeah. I'll just oh. plug it right now. Uh, for anybody that's listening right now, it's the Arsenal on Pico and Bundy in West Los Angeles. One, two, oh, one, two Pico Boulevard. Something like that. Yeah, it's on <laughs> Sundays at five o'clock. Sundays at five o'clock. You sign up. Uh, I give everybody seven to 10 minutes plus. Yeah, that's right. So the plus is if they're doing well, they can just keep going. Even if they suck, they can keep going. I mean, okay. I, it was really funny. Uh, we had a guy, uh, a good friend of mine, Ian Russo. Uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, I was like, yeah, you can do seven to ten minutes plus. And at the beginning of the mic, he's like, I'm just going to let people know that I'm not going to do more than ten minutes because I care about people's time. Right. And then, uh, you know, like he ends up going like fourth or fifth. And you know he goes up there and has a you know less than good set (laughs) but he did like 13 and a half minutes and i try to you know show him when the light was you know i'm not trying to light him to get him off stage i'm just trying to light him so he knows where he's at and i let him make that decision himself but you know i gave him the seven minute light and i gave him the 10 minute light and he didn't see or respond to either and he just kept going I'm like, all right, whatever, man. That's your prerogative. And then he, and then he goes, oh, where am I at? I'm like, uh, 13 and a half minutes. He's like, whoa, you gave me 13 and a half minutes? And like almost in unison, four people were like, no, you took it. <laughs> it, was just, it was so funny. Uh, uh, and like I wouldn't mention the story if it wasn't hilarious, but I love that guy anyway. Yeah. Uh, so if you listen to Ian, Ian you know, you're oh. a piece of shit. I love you. I love you. I love you. Um, you owe me four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when I went that day, um, there was, it was interesting. Like there was one really quirky young kid. He was good. He was just kind of fine on his feet, but he was good. I don't know his name. Um, kind of funny looking guy. And, uh, but you know, you could see that he kind of has that quality where he could make it as a comedian, just partly by being weird and he's smart, you know, mm-hmm. and he's writing. And then there was that older guy who did that interminable thing about if oh my God. <laughs> if women asked men out instead of men asking women out, you know, and like they paid for everything. And he went through every detail of the date. Oh, do you remember this? Wait, oh my God, I think I know who you're talking about, and I'd rather not say his name. Yeah, I don't know his name. <laughs> I don't know his name. He was a nice guy, but yeah, super um, nice guy, not funny. You know, yeah, no, and you were like pretty. You gave him some constructive feedback, which I was like, because that was the first thing I saw. He might have been the first guy to go, and and you gave him some feedback that was really positive. And I and I and other people said a couple things, and I just like 
I was like, I know nobody knows me here, so I'm sorry to speak out, <laughs> but you know, you're that thing's way too long. You know, right? Like you don't need to tell. We've all been on a date. We don't need to hear about how you go up the stairs and ring the bell and knock on the door and she comes and you wait and you have you know like we don't need to hear every oh wait wait I think I know who it is now I think he he was like an older guy. older guy yeah. older yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, older. yeah 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 I know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about I know what you're talking about yeah it was brutal he's like well I gotta deliver this thing I gotta do 15 minutes I'm like trust me do it in three they'll be happy yeah like, yeah be funny yeah. for three minutes instead of awful for 15 and they'll they'll be okay with the fact that you didn't go that his, long his thing is that he was a book writer so he uh, was used to being superfluous in the most like superfluous yeah. way possible. It's <laughs> like I have to explain every inkling of every sentence. It's like no comedy is brevity. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. And he ended up writing a book. He he's written books, I think, mm -hmm. uh, more than one. Uh, but I haven't seen him in a while. But uh, but yeah, uh, shout out to Bert. <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody else. So I was like, oh, oh. that guy sucks. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, he was a nice guy, and he waited, nice. and he and he waited for my act for me to do my bit because i had sort of you know talked to him during his so i think he wanted to see what i was made of and then he walked out afterwards he didn't say anything positive or negative you know he just left um but you know i i mean i finally have like 15 minutes that are pretty solid or at least that's how i feel about them now i you know i just did a 30 minute set for the first time no, the nice. for the second time actually uh how long have you been doing comedy two years it'll be two, two years. years in september okay nice yeah. nice nice so um, but I actually went to comedy school uh, in January, January and February, mm -hmm. and then uh, that really helped me a lot. Like I okay. was surprised, you know. And, and everyone else was doing comedy for the first time. I, I was already a year and a half in, and I just went to find out what I didn't know. But okay. those guys really helped me tighten my shit up, you know. And okay. so I, I wrote one brand new bit during that nice. six-week period, and. I really, really, really tightened up everything else and also got everything really nicely transitioned. So it doesn't, you don't even know you're in my next bit until suddenly you're in it. Like, okay. You, but you don't feel it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, that, I mean, like 15 minutes is pretty good benchmark for two years in, you know, yeah. like you, no one's expecting you to put an hour out every year unless you're fucking like Louis C.K. or somebody. Like the, those right. guys are insane. But it's one of those things too. They've done it so much that they know how to write something quickly and how to make it stick quickly. Uh, I think it was like George Carlin who who said like he's like I know for a fact about ninety six percent of the time if something is gonna be funny before I even say it on stage. Mm. And like with that much accuracy. He can pinpoint it. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, growing as a comic, you have to pretty much learn either on your own or through the help of others. Um, there's this guy. Uh, I don't know how I got on his email list. I don't know uh, if I emailed him or if it was like because I joined Flappers or something. But I started getting these emails from this guy named, uh, his name is Jerry Corey or Jerry, Jerry Corley. Jerry Corley, I think his name is. And he does all these uh, little workshops and he would send like these like, you know, mass like emails with, uh, you know, YouTube clips and, you know, seminars that he has in Vegas or whatever the fuck. And um, some of the stuff that he has on YouTube has really, really helped me with my joke writing, especially with like uh, Roast Battle, because Roast Battle is mostly joke writing, you know, and I'm more of like a 
conversational comic that tags stuff right uh instead of like doing you know one liner one liner one liner uh he was teaching more like for example if you want to do like a monologue on the tonight show or something you know like like when Jay Leno goes up and he does his first, you know, 10 minutes before the show starts, that's the kind of joke writing he was talking about. And he would sit down with a newspaper and he would just look at the headlines and then uh, he would just try to make a joke about the headline, you know? So like, let's say, um, you know, guy gets bit in the nuts by dog, has to go to hospital for 17 days, right? So then uh what he does is he takes like all those keywords and he tries to write everything that's associated with those keywords and um so like all right so like let's say our right, dog right so he write down like doberman saint bernard chihuahua uh you know like all the different kinds of dogs you know uh like bitch uh puppy chow uh, all you know, kennel, all the words that are associated. So, like at the end of it, just from dog, you have you know a hundred words, right? Wow. And then uh, hospital, ER, emergency room, uh, nurse, doctor, you know, stethoscope, uh, syringes, and then what you would do is um, he's got like seven different ways of how you can write jokes, and you know, one of them is to take converging ideas and try to make them similar. So you would try to take uh, you know, like. I don't know, dog in hospital and then try to, you know, converge them and be like, oh, yeah, you know, he uh, they took him. Uh, he They would have restitched his nuts back together, but they took him to a veterinary hospital instead. And, you know, they uh, they neutered him or I don't know, some shit, you know, right. like <laughs> I just fucking made it yeah. up. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's that's basically like the gist of it. So one of them is trying to. So, like, for example, the way that translated for me with roast battle is. um like if I'm roasting somebody, like the last guy I just roasted, his name was Jacob Trimmer. He's a fat guy. He's from uh, Orange County. He's Jewish, but he looks like a skinhead. He's he's got like bald head, big goatee. He's got he actually has a Nazi tattoo on his arm. Wow. He's got a he's got a motorcycle, and on the body of the motorcycle is SS bolts. So it's like what the fuck. So like all the things that I wrote about him. Uh, we're like, okay, like fat, heavy, hefty, um, you know, skinhead, Nazi, neo-Nazi, German, uh, Jewish, kike, uh, you know, circumcised, uncircumcised. Um, he used to pop pills, so I write pop pills, Percocets. Um, I'm like, okay, so Perky, so Percocet, he used to pop Percocets, and he's fat. So I wrote a joke that was like, um, Jacob... Jacob used to pop Percocets in high school because he was fat and depressed about having a perky set. And like, just use that like right. wordplay. And like, that's, that really helped me um, figure out how to write jokes, you know, yeah. just so write all the ideas and then just try to crisscross different ideas. Like, you know, just try to take like the two most opposite ideas and try to bring them together somehow. That's one way to write jokes. Um, I forgot what the, all the other ones were, but that was the one that uh, stood out to me. So I'll look it up. I'll try to find it. Um, but Jerry Corley is on YouTube. He's a fucking great comedy teacher. He's got, like, seminars that you can either go to or you could just watch the shit for free. And I was like, oh, shit, like, super helped me. That's um, a great idea. Yeah, it's a great resource. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, um, But I forgot what your question was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know that I asked the question, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, when 
So what are some of the other shows that you've been on in town? Like, um, you said, you know, you've been on a few shows besides Rose Battle, so. Yeah, so I've done the Comedy Store a handful of times. Um, like what show? I mean, you've done um, Potluck, but I mean, have you done? Oh, um, just like a show with uh, John Campanelli in the Belly Room. So um, I found him pretty early on uh, into my stand-up career. And um, I got really lucky because he put me on the show. Uh, I got really lucky because it's um, it's sort of a bringer show. You know, and mm. I know people hate bringer shows, which uh, I don't know if your listeners know bringer shows are basically where the comic says that you can do time if you bring enough people. And uh, his thing was he always wanted me to bring 10 people, which I was like, you know, that's really hard to do. But I'm very lucky in that I'm from Los Angeles, right? unlike 95% of the comics here. And anytime I have a show, I have thousands of friends that I could promote to that are in the area. Right. So I would have, you know, 14, 18, 22 people show up and, you know, to my first couple shows and stuff. And then, you know, since then, you know, people know that I do shows all the time and they've yeah, seen me already. Off. It's yeah. just like now it's more like seven or, you know, six or eight or whatever, which is still more than what most comics can bring to the table, you know. Right. Um, so I was very lucky that I was able to sell tickets for him and, um, he actually offered me the opportunity to do, uh, like a guest spot for younger comics at the Laugh Factory three times. So, and that was cool because he actually gave me tickets. All I had to do was put them on a list and people love free shit. So you just tell them, Hey, free comedy show. I'm going to be on it this Wednesday, 10 o'clock. Um, you know, bring as many people as you want. It's free, just two drink minimum. People are like, yeah, I was going to drink anyway, you know? Right. And to those shows, I would always get like anywhere from like 15 to I think like 22 people was like the most I ever had twice. Um, so I got really lucky and I got put on those shows. And um, I did f- uh, between fairly well to very well on all of them. Like I never bombed. I never did badly. I never did like okay. I always did like better than good, like either like good or or great. I always did good or great on all those shows, uh, you know. Dust off my shoulder a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, not, that's okay. You're being honest. I yeah, mean, like, yeah. You, you're you'll, you're also honest when you bet when you bomb. So yeah, it's exactly. Okay to yeah. know that you did all right. Yeah, that's I okay. bomb my dick off all the time. But that's the thing um, that a lot of people. A lot again, going back to what I said an hour ago. Fucking a lot of people don't see that they don't see me do my best bits because i'm always trying new shit when other people are doing their best three or five minutes every time you know so like somebody comes in and does their best five minutes 30 times a week for three months and people are like oh man that guy's fucking great you know right here i am i try you know 30 minutes of new shit in the same time and you know probably only keep like four or five of those minutes you know (laughs) because i I have so many jokes that I don't remember all of them. I'll try a lot of them once or twice and then never see them again. And then I'll scroll, th- scroll through my notes and then find it, you know, a year later. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about that joke, right. you know? Or a lot of times, you know, somebody will be on stage and I'll be up next and they're talking about something. I'm like, oh, I have like a pussy fart joke. Let me look up pussy fart in my notes. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I'll try that again, you know? Um this is so funny. Like this happened a month ago. Uh, I was at the comedy store in the belly room during the show up, go up, uh, open mic on, on Sunday nights, great open mic. Um, and 
I have I have these like songs right that I've that I've written I beatbox you know just like okay. yeah. right I beatbox and shit and I'll do these songs and they're usually what I do for a closer you know because they're high energy right. it gets the crowd going people love it it's funny it's unexpected uh, and it usually turns out pretty well and this time I decide for my three minutes I'm gonna do all three of the songs that I have and um, which is like kind of weird because you're just doing like closer 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 and it doesn't really work that well um but when i did it people were like i literally had this one chick she goes holy shit caesar you're fucking funny like yeah take a chance you know like i bomb openly all the time because what are we doing what's the name of this podcast right learning to fail exactly embrace the fucking bomb you pussies you know like (laughs) like this is that's just what i do um so yeah, I'm not afraid to put myself out there. Uh, but yeah, going back to what you asked, uh, I've done the Laugh Factor a couple times, done uh, uh, Comedy Store mostly. Uh, I've done you know just random little shows here and there. I performed at the Kush Factory last week, which is a, a dispensary. So like, there's a bunch of dudes in there like smoking weed. Right. Uh, and it was really funny because. It's hard to keep people's attention when they're that baked because yep. they're just like concentrating on what they're smoking. And even if they're looking at you and they're trying to pay attention, you're going to say one word and their mind's going to like float <laughs> off to a different fucking galaxy yeah. for 10 minutes. And then they're going to be like, oh, shit, he's still talking. What? <laughs> uh, what was the punchline? And I know because I'm a stoner, so I do the same shit all the time. I did a dispensary show in Colorado Springs and... I told this series of jokes that I'd written that like that day or the day before I wrote this whole long thing about having an astrologer and all this stuff. And, and like eight minutes after I was done with that, this guy's like, you don't smoke pot, but you have an astrologer. And I was like, dude, that was eight minutes ago. Did it, take, did it take that long for you to process wow. that thought and have it come out as a question? Like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just like, fuck, man. Your question's and out of this world, man. Everything I did was that was audience work with those guys did great, and everything that was prepared material just did not land. Wow, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, it was, and I was standing in the cloud, too, you know? So I was getting, I don't smoke anymore, and I was getting high out of my fucking mind because wow. I'm just standing in this cloud of secondhand <laughs> smoke, you know? I was totally secondhand stoned by the time my 20 minutes was up. That's hilarious. And I did a long set, you know, because the, okay. they, they were like, I had met the woman I'd done a long set the night before at her, <laughs> other, her other mic in Denver, and she's like, yeah, I love you. You're funny. Just go as long as you want. You know? That's awesome. Fuck um, yeah. And so, but, you know, I also like... She, there was some guy who walked in and out who was really loud and high, and she started a conversation. So I got heckled by the host of the show during my just show. by her having a conversation yeah, in the back. At I top hate volume, that. Like, I you know, hate yeah. that in a small room, dude. It, like I'm just from oh, here to the other side of the table. That like, pisses it was me nothing. off so much. I see so. it happen all the time, where I'm not gonna say who or who, what host or what show this happens at a lot, but the host will come in, and because he's the host of this show, he'll come in and. He'll just start having a conversation at full volume in the middle of somebody's set. And it's like, dude, we can all fucking hear you. I'm sitting in the front row. You're like 10 rows back and I can hear you, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it, just, it just bothers me when comics don't respect other comics. Or, you know, like, because, you know, we all, we all do it. We all, you know, we're all on our phones. We're all, you know, disrespect other people in minimal ways, you know, unintentionally, like, 
you know, he says something and I'll like whisper to you something. But then, you know, there's those guys that like they come in and they're like trying to talk to you like this. And they're like, yo, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, if you're going to talk to me, fucking whisper a little bit, yeah. you know. And they're like, yeah, what? Yeah, well, yeah, well, this guy, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, dude, dude, we're like in the front row. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you can't talk that loud yeah. in the front row. You know, it's like respect, you know, have some, you know, you don't want people doing the same shit to you. So yeah. I had a, just an unruly crowd one night and I just started whispering, <laughs> you know, I started doing my side like. And then the whole room went dead quiet because they're like, is, is there something wrong with the mic or can he, is he wow. still talking? That's funny, yeah. man. You commanded their attention. Yeah. That's, I learned that when I used to work with kids, you know, cause if you just get louder, they just get louder. Yeah. And in a moment when they're not paying attention, you know, when, then if they just hear it, like they have to be louder to get above the noise that they're hearing, they don't register that the noise they're hearing is you telling them to shut up. Right. 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 You know? And so I did the same thing with the crowd. It totally worked. That, yeah, I've, I've, I've completely heard about that. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people will do that intentionally. They'll speak at a very low voice so that you have to strain your ears to pay uh, attention to them, well, which I can never do because I'm a very loud person as it is. I got my parents are loud. I got yelled at my whole life. <laughs> now, I'm like, well, stop yelling at me. They're like, I'm not yelling. This is how I talk, man. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's something that I learned is that. Like if you ever if you ever notice like when somebody's speaking very low and they just have a very low register, you're like almost on the edge of your seat. Like what are they saying? Like yeah. you're they're make they're drawing you in, uh, involuntarily. Like you don't like you don't want to actually go like listen to them, but you're like you like you have to now because you're like what the fuck are they saying? Yeah. Uh, but that's a good tactic. That's I'll try that next yeah, time. Yeah, try it next time. It's pretty fun. It's Usually, pretty funny too. Cause it also people laugh. Yeah, you know, it it kind of breaks the tension in the room too, and you you do it without cussing people out, and it's just better. What I've been doing recently is just calling out the person who, who who's talking, and be like, "Hey, you, hey, you with the blue shirt, yeah, yeah, listen to this, listen to what I gotta say. I got this joke," and then they like turn around, and then I try to hook them with the joke, you know, yeah. um, you know, like, "Hey, what are you guys talking about?" You know, I don't know, just. Just try to be like obnoxious about it a little bit, just to let them know, like, hey, you're being fucking obnoxious, you know? Yeah, yeah, it works sometimes. Sometimes no, it doesn't. I mean, whatever. I've, I've said like, hey, am I interrupting your conversation with my comedy act that you came here to see? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I also have this thing where I'm an only child. I am an only child, so I will say, you know, I was like, listen, I know you got I know you're having a conversation, but I'm an only child, so I need your undivided attention. Right. <laughs> you know? That's hilarious. And so that always works. And that like is a good way to do it without pissing people off. Yeah. So, um, well, this is cool, man. I really appreciate your just firsthand knowledge of the LA comedy scene. That is yeah, really, man. really good. Um, and uh, next time I come to town, we'll do this again. I want to go next level with you Hell personally. Yeah. And also just like, I want to learn more about it. And, yeah, man. Um, and I want to fucking be a part of this scene. I don't live here, but I want to, when I come here, I want to make it work, you know? Yeah, man. Well, fucking, uh, get your, you know, 15 or 30 or whatever. And I mean, how do you, do you plan on moving out here anytime soon? Or is it like kind of a, I have a nine year old. Oh, okay. So that's, that's the only reason I'm not here, you know? Right. Um, well, you have the advantage of being in a smaller market where they give you more time typically. Yeah. So totally. you're able to work on those longer sets. You're usually able to, you know, get paid a lot more than regular comics do because of the fact that you're going to have those shows where they're like, 
Yeah, we only have five comics in town. You want to do one? We'll pay you a hundred bucks. Fuck yeah! How much yeah. time can I do? Can you do an hour? Like shit, I'll try. You know. Yeah. I know a lot of guys like um, like Terrence Washington uh, is my homie. He lives out in uh, Ventura County, which is only an hour away from here. It's only an hour away from here, but he's got a whole market to himself, pretty much. Right. Like he. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I go out here, I get paid, people pay to come see me, I got real audiences, none of this fucking 30 comics not laughing bullshit. Like, no, I got real motherfuckers coming out here, and they want to sit down, and they want to watch, and they're paying me to do this shit. He's only been doing stand-up for a couple years, too, maybe two or three, yeah. you know? He's he's working on 30-minute sets regularly, and it's because he's in a smaller market, an hour outside of Los Angeles, you yeah. know? So it's like... Uh, that's the that's the problem with Los Angeles. It's a, it's a lot of short sets and a lot of people. You yeah. know, yeah. Everywhere you go, it's a five to eight minute set. To get a fifteen minute set in LA is fucking crazy. You know, yeah. and if you do get a fifteen minute set, it's like you're either a headliner somewhere or you're doing like a very small show somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you it's crazy. Um, as far as that, but yeah, you know, like with North Carolina, I would suggest trying uh yeah just try to fucking book those those shows that are uh, gonna give you more time and try to pay you you know like if you can you know move around i don't know i'm I'm not an expert at this i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about yeah well, I've, <laughs> I've i've developed a show that um i'm taking on the road this year i'm kind of still like tightening it up i did one really successfully the first one so i got another one coming up in a week um and it's it's a show that i host and so I get to, you know, perform up top and then I bring up comics and they perform and I interview them. So it's kind of like, oh, nice. Yeah. It's kind of like a talk show, comedy showcase combination and That's the audience awesome. is involved. And, and I got a few different elements that I'm tying into it. And so my goal is to get that thing buttoned up and then bring that to L.A. Okay. You know, like I'll let you know I'm coming and maybe you can help me find a venue and we can do, oh, my, yeah. do my show and with your comic friend. You give me I'm like, bring five of your you and four of your funniest Oh, comedian yeah. friends and we'll do that show oh yeah you know i'm um, down i'm yeah. super down yeah so see that's that's how i'm choosing to do it like i'm okay. trying to develop a product that i can take with me to other places otherwise i'm just another sh comic showing up asking for minutes right <laughs> and, and uh i can already see how long it'll take to get anywhere with that you right. know i mean i spent six hours at the comedy store last night i spent 10 bucks in parking 20 dollars on $30 on drinks and food, you know, didn't get up. Gas. No, I didn't get up, <laughs> you know, so I mean, like, I can't do that every as a comedian, like working on my comedian salary, which is low, you know, I can't be spending 50 bucks a night, right? Not getting up, right? You know, yeah, that was my problem um, that I realized all too late um, with Monday nights at the comedy stores, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, coming from the west side to Hollywood, you know, it could take 15 minutes. It could take an hour. Right. So you're driving in traffic to get there, rush to get there by six. You sign up for Potluck and Kill Tony. You wait an hour. In that hour, while they're drumming up this rigged list, you go, you get some food, you get some booze. Uh, I, I go to Carney's, you know. Yeah, I went to Carney's last it's night. Dollar, yeah. It's a dollar fifty beers. Mm. Uh, shout out to Carney's. Uh, for happy hour till seven so you know you get two or three beers get some food whatever you go walk back to check the list fuck you're not on the list okay so all right so now i'm waiting till eight o'clock until tony starts i also signed up for that at six o'clock 
So I go back to Carney's, get a couple more beers in me because I'm an alcoholic. I go back at 8 o'clock. Show goes to about 9.30 or 10. Well, shit, I didn't get picked up for that either. So I just spent from 5 or 6 in the afternoon till 10, spending, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks on food and alcohol, not getting any stage time. Uh, what really pissed me off was one time uh, I realized my name wasn't getting put in the bucket and I wrecked my car on the way over to the comedy store on Monday, like completely just, uh, I, 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 ran, I ran into the back of some lady's car. Uh, um, and her car was fine, my car was totaled because it was a little piece of shit Mazda. And um, I later found out three weeks, three weeks later, I was like, dude, I haven't gotten up in like fucking eight months and I've seen people get up once a week, every week for five weeks. Like this has to be rigged. Let me just see if my name's even in the bucket. And I go to see if my name was in the bucket, and it wasn't. Which and bucket? Kill Tony bucket? Kill Tony, yeah. How did you get to... Uh, this is a super scandalous story. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. Yeah, super scandalous story. So I... Because I, right, it was very obvious that, you know, there were some people that he liked. Um, you know, he likes the outlandish personality. He likes really good people and people that... Um, that he can make fun of for yeah, a long time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So That's clear. So if you're like big and fat, if you got a crazy afro, if you um, do like cool little tricks or something, you know, just like quirky shit. Because uh, he's, you know, he's a roaster. He just loves roasting people. Right. Uh, and I'm not that easy to roast, apparently. I thought I was. People made you're fun of me. You're not roastable. You're not roast worthy. I don't know. I mean, people made fun of me my whole fucking life. And now that I'm a comic, nobody knows how to make fun of me anymore. It's just fucking weird. I don't know. Uh, well, you're older, you're fit, you're like more charismatic, you're more like... Maybe, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the problem is you've <laughs> succeeded in all these th ways you've worked on yourself, and now that, you know... Well, thank you, you just made me feel so good about myself. Well, uh, part of my job. <laughs> um, so, I got on Kill Tony, and I actually had a great set. I was there with uh, Sebastian Montescalco, Simbad, uh, and um, what's the guy's name? Fucking uh, Jimmy Carr. So those three wow. guys, Jimmy Carr, the British Gi guy, Jimmy Carr, because he's mean to everybody. Yeah, Jimmy Carr, Simbad, and Sebastian Maniscalco. Who I didn't even know who Sebastian Maniscalco or Jimmy Carr were at the time. Mm. Uh, I was that new to stand up, yeah. but I did my minute. I killed my minute, and then they just kind of like made fun of me because I was trying to Snapchat it, and then they're like, "All right, Caesar, get the fuck off stage." You know, I was like, "All right,", All right. and then I never got put in the bucket after that, and. Um, and one day I was like, dude, like I've been here every fucking Monday and I haven't gotten up in like eight months, like almost a year or something like that. This is ridiculous. I've seen right. people get up so many times and it's obvious, you know, like the hot chick gets up all the time, you know, shit like that. How do they know who's who? Cause all right. So they, they get the list, right? And then what they do is they cut up the names and they throw in the names of the people that they want to see. So, you know, maybe 40 comics sign up. They'll probably put in like 10 or 15 names. Mm. You know, they're like, all right, we want to see these people. And after the show, like my friend, she's like, why don't you just go up there and check? And I was like, all right, cool. So I kind of lingered around and uh, I, I was kind of like, all right, so what's, let me see. Uh, let me see if I can, you know, try to get in there a little bit. And uh, I waited till like, all the audience left so I wouldn't cause a scene. I waited till the host left and then it was just uh, the guy who was like picking up all the cables and like right. mics and stuff. And uh, I go up to the bucket and as I'm about to look in it, he's like, he's like, 
oh what are you what are you what are you doing i was like oh um my friend uh said he put my name in the bucket but i just wanted to see if he actually did and he immediately grabbed the bucket he was like, oh, oh, well, 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 there, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of names in here, so, but yeah, yeah, he probably, he probably put your name. I was like, oh, okay, well, I just want to make sure that he did it, because, you know, my friend, quote, unquote, right. you know, is so forgetful, and I just, you know, I just want to see if he did it, right? Uh, which is bullshit. I wrote my I, own name. I understand. Yeah. And he's like. We're all following the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the listeners, I don't know if they could see me doing air quotes. They can't <laughs> see the air quotes, but we get friends. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah, okay. We uh, got it. There's no friend. Uh, <laughs> they're like. You have no friends. So my friend. Um, so then um, he's like, oh, well, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 some, you know, some of the names are uh, illegible. So I, I had to, uh, 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 you know, t- I had to throw some of them out because I couldn't read them. I was like, well, it's okay. I just want to see if my name's in there anyway. He's like, oh, oh, well, what, what's your, what's your name? There's, there's so many names in this bucket, and I was like, it's, it's me. You know what my name is? My name right. is Caesar. He, like, he's just like obviously like trying to make excuses right. and like stall. And I was like, it's okay. Let me just check, right? <laughs> and so like, I check the buckets and I'm looking at them one by one. And then I pull out my. I was like, no, no, no. My friend who told me, I was like, Michelle. Oh, there's you. You know, Michelle, yeah. a girl's name, of course, got put in. No, 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 no. Oh, you know what? I guess my friend, if you listeners not, uh, haven't figured it out by now, is not a real friend. Didn't put me in. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I must must have just forgot. Yeah, he probably just forgot. So I was like, okay. So now I know two things. One, my name's not getting put in the bucket. And two, this asshole's not putting my name in the bucket. And he knows that I caught him, but he thinks that I don't know. Right. Like he thinks that I, you know. That my friend put it in and i'm just like this guy fucking piece of shit so i was like i don't even know how to approach this at this point you know because he uh it's just like this guy he works with tony uh i don't know if this is coming from tony i don't know if this is just him because he doesn't like me for whatever reason um uh you know because you know one time he like try to like punk me and i'd like kind of resisted a little bit and then he got mad because he's like a showrunner and shit so I'm like, all right, so he's a showrunner like, or, like, a, one of the producers of the show. Like, if I, like, start shit with him, you know, I could be blackballed for a really long time right. or I could just let it go and nothing will happen. And I, like, thought about it for a while. And, like, the next week I was just like, you know, um, I don't know if we got off on the wrong foot or whatever, but, you know, I just want to, you know, squash the beef if we have any. Right. You know, and... um He's like, oh, well, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you know, sometimes you just come off, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're all just trying to have fun here and blah, blah, blah. But, and then he was acting like he was like the bigger guy and everything. Like he was so cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. You're good, Caesar. You're good. And I was like, all right, cool. Like still very much like looking at him like you're right. a piece of shit and you lied to my face and, you know, fuck you or whatever. Um, and then, you know, months go by and I still don't get up. I still don't get up. But it pissed me off because I fucking wrecked my car going to this open mic that I had no chance of getting up on. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's super fucked up. <laughs> and then um, the next time I actually got up, I I have only gone up a second time. And it was because I put in a fake name. And I put up, uh, I put my name as Mia Sirache, which is an anagram for I am Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> so I outsmarted nice. those motherfuckers. But um, <laughs> it was it was preceded a couple weeks earlier. I 
they're like, all right, we're going to pull one more name from the bucket, right? right. And, um, and they called like two or three names in a row. And it was the last name they're going to call. And two or three names didn't show up. Oh. And I was like, I swear to God, if they call one more name and that guy's not here, I'm just going to start booking it, walking towards the stage, right? Right. So they fucking, <laughs> they're like, all right, Justin Lee, right? And like, clearly I'm not an Asian guy. And like for a split second, I look around the audience and I don't see anybody get up. And I just start booking it from the back of the main room all the way to the main room stage. Right. And like, as I'm getting up, people are like, some people are like clapping. Some people know it's not me and high five yeah. me. Other comics are like, fuck you, Caesar. Like, like that's they, not you. Yeah, I or could, I should have thought of yeah, that. Like, you yeah. know, or like, that, that's not you, you know, like you know, he might pull my name next, you know, why should you go? Right. And so like red band even fucking high five me and shit. <laughs> he knows it's not me. Yeah. And then I get up there and like, I start to do my bit and they're like, wait, wait, a, wait a second. Are you, are you Justin Lee? And you know, he's getting like looks from some of the comments or comics are like, no, that's not him. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, wait, wait, really though? Are you Justin Lee? I was like, uh, yeah <laughs> like it totally didn't right. i totally didn't sell it i was like can i just do my bit now and they're like no get off stage and i was like oh shit i tried you know like it was really stupid it yeah. it fell flat on on its face you know i looked really dumb um maybe you have been blacklisted well but that was again that would be a legit that, reason that was like six months after you know the the first yeah. time that i found yeah. out my name wasn't in the bucket so six months later i tried doing that and then three weeks later i put in a fake name and they're like all right uh, and it was the first name that they pulled out mia sriracha sounds like right. super hot chick you know they're like they're like all right uh your first guest of the evening is going to be mia sriracha and like i had told some of my friends they're like yeah mia right and i get up there and they're like and he's like wait wait a second wait a second you this isn't you i'm like yeah it's me and like no you're not i'm like mia sriracha is an anagram for i am caesar and they're like but you've you've done this before are you how many how many times did you put your name in the bucket i was like just once can i do my set now and they're like okay everybody mia sriracha and they're very <laughs> he just like was very pissed off that i yeah. had tricked him into getting stage time and then again i had a great set they had nothing to roast me on. Anytime I like, they asked me a question. He would ask me a question, and before I could even get like three words out, they would just start like a different conversation. And they're like, "All right, cool, off you go. Thanks, everybody. Caesar Lazardo, whatever." Right. And I was like, "All right, whatever. Fuck you guys." You know. So, um, ten minutes ago, when you know, when you talked about spending fifty dollars a night on comedy, that's when I realized, you know, fuck these people. I'm not going to put up on potluck. They don't respect me. I'm not going to put up on Tony. They're not putting me in the bucket. Spending four or five hours a week every week trying to get spots that i'm not getting and instead i'm going to carnies and getting drunk before i even do my first set at 11:30 at night when i could do three sets in that same time you know right so that's the lesson that i learned and sorry i took up a lot of time talking about that shit no it's great man that's a good <laughs> that's a good scandalous story to end on man i love it i love i mean that is i asked for inside scoop and that is fucking inside scoop yeah so I'm sorry that happened to you, but it's a pretty good story. I mean, and it, it's not, I'm just one of the few people who resists when shit happens, Man. you know? So that's why maybe I make enemies because people treat you like shit. And then when you try to like 
you know, talk back to them. You're like, yeah. hey, why are you treating me like I'm a piece of shit? They're like, oh, well, fuck you. You're nobody. Blah, blah, blah. You're not funny. Get out of my face. You're nobody. You know, and right. it's, that's how they treat you. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be treated like that. I don't give a fuck who you are. You're the producer of a show. Like, <laughs> that's just how I feel about shit. Not that I'm cocky or anything. There's, I'm very middle of the ground here in LA, man. Like I said, I'm swimming among sharks, which is, you know, been the biggest blessing of being a comic out in LA is A, not having to move and B, being taught by my peers who are all really fucking good. Right. I mean, so. Cool, man. Well, I will let you know when I'm back in town um, yeah. and I'll let you know in advance and maybe we can bring my show's called Talk About Funny. Maybe we can bring Talk About Funny to some, you know, alternative yeah. room here. And, and uh, if you can help me set that up, we'll put the show Absolutely. on Absolutely. Um, let me know a little bit ahead of time and we'll, like, look for that, for venues. I know a couple of places that, um, that we could definitely do some, some shows at. So, hell yeah. And that's going to do it for my talk with Cesar Lisardo, up-and-coming roast battle superstar and all-around take-no-prisoners gentleman badass. As you could probably tell from listening to him, Caesar is as nice a guy as they come. But he's also willing to call out the corrupt bastards who make it hard on guys like us who are trying to break in on merit alone. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, use our Amazon portal, and rate us on iTunes. Make sure you tell your friends about Learning to Fail, and if you feel so inclined, please consider making a donation on our donation page. That way, we can keep failing from the fringe. As I was reviewing the podcast, I noticed, you know, Caesar talks a lot of shit, and I texted him. I was like, man, are you sure you want this out there? Because I don't want you getting blacklisted all over L.A. And he was like, dude, they can't blacklist me for telling the truth. And I'm like, Caesar, telling the truth is the only reason anyone ever gets blacklisted.